right, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Luke, chapter 5. As you're turning there, we're going to do a little test. If you are physically able to raise your hand, raise your hand. If you're physically able to raise your hand. All right, now we've done two things. We've proven that Baptists can raise their hand and that you can raise your hand. So I'm going to ask you some pop quiz questions, okay? And I want you to respond honestly. Respond honestly, okay? Uh, How many of you walked in here this morning with a measure of guilt over something you've done in the past, whether it was this morning or in your life, you walked in with a measure of guilt? Just raise your hand up. Let's be honest. Now, keep your hands up. You walked in with a measure of guilt. Everybody look at these guilty... No, I'm kidding. Don't look... Don't. (laughs) Keep your hands up. If you walked in here this morning having sinned at some time this morning or this week, and you're like, I need forgiveness for that. I'm, I've sinned. Raise your hands. Just keep them up. Come on now. Don't, we're not taking pictures. Nobody's taking pictures. We're putting on social media. If you walked in this morning, you have a hurt that you need healed, add your hand to that crowd. Um, if you have a hurt that needs to be healed, you've, you've experienced the consequences of your sin. Now, everybody do. Hold your hands up if that's you, and look around, because I've got good news for you if your hand is up. What we're going to learn today, you can put them down now. I don't want you holding them up the whole time. I'll thank you praying against me. Um, well, I got good news for you if you had your hands up this morning because what we're going to find out in this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at in Luke chapter 5 is that Jesus, Jesus cleanses. So if you came in guilty, feeling, Jesus cleanses. We're going to find out that Jesus forgives. So if you came in with sin in your life, Jesus forgives. And we're going to find out that not only does Jesus cleanse and Jesus forgive, but Jesus heals. So if you came in with hurts, specifically connected to the consequences of your sin, Jesus heals. So in Luke chapter 5, we're going to have to move pretty quickly. I usually can measure how long a sermon is, so we're going to need to move pretty quickly this morning and just hang out in Luke. I'm going to read other passages. You can write down the reference, but I'm not going to wait on you to turn there, okay? Because we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning. I've tried to cut out all I can. Uh, In Luke chapter 5, we're looking at verses 12 to 26. And I want us to see in verses 12 through 19, first of all, that Jesus cleanses. Jesus cleanses. This is Luke chapter 5. We're beginning in verse 12. Look at what it says. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with Leprosy. Now this story begins. If the things are beginning to transition in Luke, we're starting to see some new things happen right here. And Jesus sees a man covered with leprosy. Now there were several types of leprosy, but what we know and how we know it in its simplest form is that leprosy was a skin disease. And lepers would often, uh, the, the disease would spread to the point where lepers would often lose feeling in their limbs, they would lose feeling in their fingers, their hands, their arms, their toes, their feet, their legs. It began to spread. There's actual accounts of mice and rats eating off the fingers, the toes of leprosy victims because they didn't know they were there. This is a terrible, terrible disease. It's a horrible disease and it was a terminal disease that would spread until it consumed the victim and he died. Now this man, we see, was a leper, but he wasn't just a leper. The Bible says that he was covered with leprosy. So it's not like he, he had a spot of leprosy here. He's just been diagnosed. This guy's stage 
four advanced terminal leprosy. He is covered in leprosy. Serious case. Now, if you read on in verse 12, it says, And when he saw Jesus, so here's a man covered in leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This is a desperate desperate man in a desperate, desperate situation. He was out of hope. He was out of options. He had been to see the priest. He had done what he could. He is out of hope, but he happened to see Jesus. And he fell on his face, and the Bible says he implored him, he begged him, if you are willing, please make me clean. You have to understand that when someone was diagnosed with leprosy, they were immediately quarantined. Why? Because it's transmitted from one person to the next. So they wanted to quarantine this man away from the crowd to determine, is this really leprosy that he has and when it's determined that he has leprosy he would live his life with the lepers and anytime he approached a village anytime he approached a crowd he would force to cry out unclean unclean so that everybody could just scat they didn't want to be around him they didn't want to risk catching this because you were a dead man walking He's unclean, and not only is he quarantined and unable to approach other normal people, he cannot go to the temple to worship. Imagine if you love God. Imagine if you love the law of God. Imagine if you want to know God, and yet you can't come to the temple. You're barred from the doors of the temple. You're barred from the gates of the temple. You're not allowed to worship. Maybe for many, many, many years, this man has been quarantined from society. He's been quarantined from the worship of his people. He was untouchable. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And look at what happens in verses 13 and 14. It says, he stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus cleansed the leper. Now I want us to see a few things about this story before we move on to the next one. First of all, we need to understand that this leper's leprosy and uncleanness is just a picture of our sin and uncleanness. Do you see that? This leper's leprosy is really a picture of our spiritual leprosy. It's a picture of our sin, our uncleanness. And it was, this was a terminal disease. And when you think about it, our sin is a terminal disease. The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? It's death. The wages of sin is death. And this man's terminal disease had covered him. It had consumed him. He was completely covered with leprosy. And you and I are completely stained with sin. So whether you raised your hand on the way in and said, I'm guilty, I've sinned, or you kept your hand down and lied this morning, we all need to be cleansed because we are consumed and covered with sin. In Romans chapter 3, again, I'm not going to give you time to to turn there. I'm just going to flip there and read. You can jot this down and read it later. Listen to how the Bible describes us. In Romans 3, beginning in verse 9, it says, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks, or both Jews and Gentiles, are all under sin. So we're all under sin. It's over us. 
As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And that describes us. And you say, well, it doesn't describe me. Who's right? God in His assessment of us or we in our assessment of us? God is right. God sees us. He knows us. And He says... There's not a righteous one among us, not even one. Our tongues are wicked, our feet are wicked, our hands are wicked, our motives are wicked. We're sinful people, and we may clean it up and look good on the outside. We may do some good things, but Isaiah 64 and verse 6 reminds us that all of us have become like one who is what? Unclean. What did that leper say? Unclean. Unclean. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. We are radically corrupt. We are radically ruined. We are unclean. This leper is a physical picture of what God sees spiritually of us if we're sinners and lost this morning in this place. This is what God would see of us if not for Christ. Spiritual leprosy. Second thing we see in this story is that he could do nothing to correct his problem. This man cannot fix his problem. He, he finds Jesus. He happens to see Jesus, and he runs to him and falls on his face before him, imploring him, begging him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I cannot clean myself up. I can't help myself. I can see him reading in the Old Testament where, where Elisha tells uh, the, the foreign general to go dip himself in the Jordan River. Uh, or the river and see if he would clean, you know, cleanse him of his leprosy. I could see this guy going, all right, I'm going to read this. I'm going to go dip myself and see if it'll help. And then he comes out and he's still covered in leprosy. I can imagine he's prayed. I can imagine he's gone to the priest. I can imagine he's done all kinds of things and he cannot help himself. And again, that is a picture of our spiritual leprosy. We can do nothing to correct the problem that God has with us because of our sin. We can't pray enough. We can't go to church enough. We can't give enough money. We can't sing loud enough. We can't listen closely enough. We can't read our Bible enough. We can't be good enough to undo the mess sin has caused in our lives and in our hearts. We can never correct this problem. In Jeremiah 13, 23, the prophet Jeremiah asked the question, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? then you also can do good who are accustomed to evil, right? We see that this leper's leprosy and uncleanness is a picture of our sin and uncleanness. He could do nothing to correct his problem. But get this, number three, this is the good news. Jesus is more than willing to cleanse. Jesus is more than willing to, to cleanse. There's three surprises here. Three amazing surprises. The Bible says when this leper came and fell on his face before Jesus and begged him to cleanse him, the Bible says that Jesus touched him. Well, I'll tell you what. If you're, in the, if you're in the audience and you see this, I could almost promise you that everybody took a step back from Jesus. 
He just touched that guy. This was likely the first physical touch from a normal person that this leper had experienced in years and years and years. Jesus is not afraid to touch the unclean. You should see the priests scatter when it's just before the Sabbath day and a dead body comes through. You should see the priests scatter when a Gentile comes close. You should see the, the Jews scatter when somebody's doing some barbecue pork on the corner of the street and it's time to worship. They don't want to touch that. They don't want the un uncleanliness of these things to touch them and defile them. But Jesus walks up on the scene and he doesn't shy away from the leper touching him. No, he reaches out and he touches the leper. He's not afraid to touch the unclean. How unclean are you this morning? Whatever kind of guilt you walked in here with, you said, I'm coming in with some guilt this morning. I'm, I'm guilty. I'm feeling the weight of that guilt. What did you do that would cause you to feel such guilt? Whatever it is, let me just say, Jesus is not afraid to touch you. How much have you sinned? How far have you fallen short of the standard of God? If Jesus would touch this man in spite of his physical leprosy, he can touch you this morning in spite of your spiritual leprosy. Jesus touched him. That's surprise one. Surprise two is that he was willing. He was willing. You see, Jesus will not only touch you this morning, he's willing to cleanse you of your guilt this morning. Jesus wants to cleanse you this morning. And if you're carrying guilt this morning, it's not because Jesus wants you to have that guilt. It's because you want the guilt and Satan wants to keep you feeling the guilt. So he puts those two together and he ruins your life and my life. Jesus wants to cleanse you, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever you've done, 1 Timothy 2, 4. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He said to the leper, I'm willing. And surprise three is the leprosy left. <laughs> he touched him. He said, I'm willing. And immediately the leprosy's gone. So this leper's leprosy is a picture of our uncleanliness and our sin. He couldn't correct this problem, but Jesus was willing to cleanse. So maybe this morning, maybe this morning, you need to do what the needy leper did. You walked in here this morning and said, I'm guilty. I feel guilt. I'm overcome with guilt. It's weighing me down. It's bearing me down. You know what you need to do? You need to do exactly what the leper did. What did the leper do? He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus. That was the first thing. He saw Jesus. And some of you need to see Jesus this morning. You need to stop seeing yourself. Now listen, we live in a society where people desperately, for the most part, need to see themselves and their guilt and their sin and their filth and their wretchedness in the mirror of the holiness of Almighty God because we live in a society that thinks we're so good we have to post selfies all over social media all day so everybody else can see how great we are. We need to see our sinfulness and our wretchedness and our depravity and our hopelessness and our spiritual leprosy. But you, this morning may have been coming in here week after week after week, and you need to just stop, stop, and look at Jesus for a minute. 
Stop looking at the mi- in the mirror at what you did. Stop looking in the mirror at what, at what you're carrying. Stop looking in the mirror of your past. Stop listening to the whispers of Satan who whispers condemnation, guilt, and more condemnation and say, yes, I have sinned, but I'm going to look at Jesus. I'm going to see Jesus, and I'm going to see the fact that Jesus took my sin, past, present, and future, upon himself and paid for it in full to cleanse me, to take away my sin, to remove my guilt, to remove my stain, to remove my spiritual leprosy, and I'm going to let it go because it's not mine anymore. It's on Jesus. You know how liberating it is to get pulled over by the police for speeding, and you're in the passenger seat buckled up? (laughs) That guy was driving. Not me, officer. And do whatever you got to do. And it's almost like Satan pulls us over and he brings condemnation to the window and you say, you know what? Jesus is driving. He took that. He took it. That's on him. He's paid for it. He took it to the cross with him. It's not on me. I'm in the passenger seat. Jesus is not my co-pilot. If you have that bumper sticker on your vehicle, just pull that off because Jesus is not my co-pilot. He's my pilot. You need to just see Jesus this morning and the reality that he took your sin and your guilt and your condemnation and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus now. He saw Jesus, he fell face down. See your sin, see your guilt, see your hopelessness and fall face down before Jesus Christ this morning. On your face. And beg him. He begged him. Lord, he implored him. Lord, if you're willing. You, know, you just need to call on him this morning. You walk in here with guilt. See Jesus. Get on your face. And implore him. If you're willing. I know that you can cleanse me. And he will. The Bible promises this in Romans 10, 9-13. If you confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. You confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For the Bible says that the one who believes in him will not be disappointed. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. We just read in Romans 3 that there's no difference in the Jew and Greek. We're all utterly wretched, sinful. Our tongues are wicked. Our feet are wicked. Our hands are wicked. Our motives are wicked. We're wicked. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek in Romans 3. We get to Romans 10 and we find out, guess what? There's no difference in the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord abounds in riches to us all. Who call upon him who call upon Him. The Lord abounds in riches to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, you walked in here with guilt this morning, you should feel guilty. You are guilty. We're all sinful. We're we're all spiritually lepers 
and covered in leprosy with a terminal disease. But we can look to Jesus and fall on our face before Him and call on His name. And the same God who says there's no difference in the Jew and the Greek, we're both equally guilty, can now say there's no difference in the Jew and the Greek. I will abound in riches to the one who calls upon my name. Now, do we believe that or do we not? If we believe that, then see Jesus, fall on your face, call on His name, and have your guilt removed, your leprosy cleansed, and walk out of here free so that God can use you. Jesus cleanses. But look, not only that, Jesus forgives. Look in verse 15. There's another story that happens immediately after this story. In verses 15 through 20, Jesus forgives. It says the news about him was spreading even farther. Of course it was. This guy just made a leper clean. The news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. Now get this, the word spread about Jesus. This guy, he can cleanse leprosy. Surely he can heal a paralytic, right? This man can heal terminal illness. Surely he can heal our paralytic friend. Now the word spread beyond these guys to the whole community so the whole community is there they piled up to hear jesus they're crowding to hear jesus and these men say i want to bring our friend we've got to bring our friend to jesus so that he can be healed these men are serious they're serious about getting their friend to jesus he was paralyzed so he couldn't get himself there on his own how's he going to get up and get himself there on his own if he's Paralyzed. This guy's hopeless. This guy's helpless. So his friends pick him up and they bring him to where Jesus is. And I'm just going to say, some of you need to pick up your family members. Some of you need to pick up your friends. Some of you need to pick up your neighbors who don't know Christ and who are unchurched and bring them to Jesus. Stop just praying for them. Keep praying for them. But stop just praying for them and just waiting on them and go get them by the arm and say, no, you're coming with me. I'm bringing you to Jesus. Look at verse 19. Not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with a stretcher in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Think about the audacity of this. This is unbelievable. Number one, they climb up on this guy's roof. Number two, they tear the tiles off the top of the roof. Number three, Jesus is in the middle of point number four of a dynamic sermon, and all of a sudden from the roof, this guy comes down. Could you imagine the audacity of these guys? The boldness of these guys. The desperation of these guys. They get him to the place where Jesus was, but they can't get him in. So what do they do? They do the unthinkable. They do whatever, whatever is necessary. Would to God that every lost person in our lives would have a friend that determined to get them to Jesus. 
Would to God that every lost person in our families, in our lives, in our neighborhoods would have a friend that determined to get them to Jesus. Now, we've been asking you for months to come up with a name, at least one name, of someone that God has placed on your heart that's lost, that's far from God, that's unchurched, that you will commit this year to pray for, that you'll commit this year to share the gospel with, that you will commit this year not to give up on until you bring them to Jesus and they profess it publicly through believers' baptism. We're asking you to come up with one, at least one name of a person you will pour yourself into, that you will pick up and bring to Jesus if necessary, that you'll tear through the roof tiles if necessary, that you'll let down in front of Jesus if necessary, that you'll do everything that is necessary to get them to Jesus. And we ask you to have that name this morning. Do you have that name? Should I get you to practice raising your hand again? Do you have that name? Are those names? If not... We're going to grade on the curve, and you get till next week to bring that name. And next week, you're going to get a little bookmark, and you're going to get a little card. We're going to ask you to write that name on that card and turn it in, and you're going to take that bookmark, and for the next several weeks, we're going to read the same scriptures together, and we're going to pray together for our people that God has placed on our heart and our life. And we're going to look forward to Easter Sunday. That's our first big milestone this year. Look forward to Easter Sunday, and we're going to invite those people and more to this to this place at 8.30 and 11, and they're going to hear the gospel message preached. They're going to hear the gospel sung. Would to God that the person he puts on our hearts and our lives, we would be as faithful to get them to Jesus as these men were to get their friend to Jesus. Look at verse 20. It says, seeing their faith, he said, friend, get up and walk. You paralyzed guy, you need to get up and walk, and I see you're hurting and paralyzed, and I, I want to heal your body. Get up and walk. That's not what it says, is it? You better have your Bible open. What does it say? Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Now, there's this guy that romps around, and he videos himself. Uh, I think his name's Todd White going in and healing all these folks. And I've seen him on these videos supposedly healing these, supposedly healing these people who are cussing, who are blaspheming God, and he heals them and never once tells them about Jesus Christ. Let me just say, if you want a scripture to prove that our sin is more serious than our sickness, it's right here. Because Jesus sees this guy lowered in front of him, and he doesn't say, get up and walk. He says, your sins are forgiving you. And if you're a doctor, you deal with... The, if somebody's bleeding from the jugular vein, you don't stitch up their wrist. Right? You start there. Stop the bleeding there. Jesus assesses this situation, and the big problem is not he can't walk. The big problem is he's going to hell. And he's a sinner, and he needs forgiveness. So Jesus just ignores the fact he can't walk. There's worse things than not being able to walk. Just ask Johnny Erickson Tata. Worst thing is not being forgiven. So he deals with the man's sins, and he says, your sins are forgiven. And this shows us that there was something more serious in this man's life than his infirmity. This man's sins are more debilitating than his paralysis. Here's a man who apparently has sinned in some way that resulted in paralysis. You know, sometimes we do suffer the consequences of our sin. And there's a hint here that maybe this man's sin led to his paralysis somehow, some way. So Jesus addresses the sin 
first. And he forgives him. He forgives him. This man can do nothing. This man is paralyzed. And that doesn't matter. Jesus forgives him. Now, some of you come in and you're like, well, yes, I've sinned. Yes, I'm guilty. But I'm going to pretend I'm Adam and Eve. What do Adam and Eve do? When Adam and Eve sin, they go hide from God in the garden. Like you can hide from God. That was real smart. They go hide from God in the garden, hide in the bushes, and ignore his call for their daily meeting. Just pretend like you don't hear him, Eve. And why are they hiding? Because they've sinned and they want to put some distance between them and God. They're not comfortable in His presence anymore. Let's just let this thing die down a little bit and then we'll come back together and hopefully He'll kind of forget. Hopefully He'll overlook it. Hopefully it won't be a big deal. You know, we just kind of put some distance between us and let it die down. You know, maybe, maybe I'll put some distance between me and God. I'll start going to church and I'll throw a little extra in the plate. You know, I'll go to Sunday school this Sunday with a book. I'll I'll participate. Uh, You know, I'll do something. And then maybe after a couple of weeks of me going to church faithfully and giving a little more than extra, and I'll pray a little harder, you know, and read a little extra in my Bible and just really, really, really try to do good, then I can go to God and we'll be on good terms. That's salvation by works. And that's what some of you do. You sin and you try to repair things. Let me tell you something. We're paralyzed. We're, we're spiritually paralyzed. We can't do anything but get worse. So Jesus goes beyond our paralysis and, he, and, and forgives us. I mean, go, and just look in Ephesians 2. Don't look there. That was, I'll look there. You look later. Ephesians 2, verse 1, we're worse than paralyzed. Listen to how the Bible describes this in Ephesians 2, verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Here's how the Bible describes us, not as paralyzed, but as dead. We are dead in our trespasses. We are dead in our sins. We are carried along with the crowd, living in the lusts of the flesh, the desires of this life, the pride of this life with the rest of the crowd. We go right along with the crowd, being led on by the prince of the power of the air, oblivious to everything around us. And then we come to verse 4, but it says, But God. Not but, whoa, I caught on and thought, this is dumb. Whoa, I caught on and thought, man, I need to really get my life in order. No, but God. We're dead, caught up in the crowd of this world, being led on by Satan himself to destruction. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raises us up with him and seats us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith and it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are worse than paralyzed. We are dead. And in our deadness, in our depravity, God in his rich love and mercy makes us alive, brings us into the family, forgives our sins, sets us in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ, and we are made new creations. It's not about you getting your stuff in order and you straightening up your life and you cleaning up your life. That's how you become a good Baptist. I'm just going to clean it up, you know, and 
try not to cuss in public. And don't want to bring any shame on me or my church family. No, we don't want you to do that. But cleaning up your life isn't going to get it because you're not going to clean it up enough. Straightening up is not enough. Changing your actions is not enough. We need somebody to resurrect us from the spiritual dead. Raise us up from our mat and forgive us of our sin. And Jesus does that. Jesus forgives according to his rich mercy. He forgives. I don't know if we've sung it in this service yet, but it's coming. What love could remember? No wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What patience would wait while we constantly roam? What father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Jesus looks at this paralytic and he says, your sins are many. My mercy is more. You're forgiven. Jesus cleanses the leper. He forgives the paralytic. But there's one more. Jesus not only cleanses, he not only forgives, but he heals. In verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Well, these are your seminary-trained professionals here. This is what you got. Seminary-trained professionals who can parse the Hebrew, parse the Greek verbs... Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Yep, that's right. You just nailed it. But you're too educated to see it. The scribes and the Pharisees, as concerned as they were with the letter of the law and with maintaining their doctrinal standards, automatically turned Jesus off. And they think to themselves, did he just act like he forgave this man's sins, the reasoning within themselves? In verse 22, Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered. I love that when he hears them thinking and answers them. And he said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Isn't that interesting? Jesus answers them out loud for what they're thinking in their head. And I'm sure they're looking around thinking, did I say something out loud? Verse 24, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately, he got up before them and picked up what he'd been lying on and went home glorifying God, and they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God, and they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. Jesus heals. 
I wonder if he'd have healed him if those Pharisees wouldn't have been mumbling amongst themselves. He forgives him. Leaves it at that. They start murmuring. He says, you want to know that I have power to forgive sins? Watch this. Get up and walk. Let me tell you something. I need to write this down. Don't let me forget, Andy. Send in my notes. Let me tell you something. You want the world to know that Jesus forgives? Do you, do you want your one to know that Jesus forgives? Do you want the crowd to know Jesus forgives? Yes or no? Then you need to stop walking around like you're still sick. Jesus says, you want to know I have the power to forgive sins? Get up and be healed. When Jesus forgives, he heals. So why are you saying, I'm forgiven, and yet moping around like you're still sick? You want the world to know Jesus forgives? Then act like you've been healed. Leprosy was a result of sin. If not this leper's sin, Adam's sin. It brought about sin, death, destruction, pain, sorrow, sickness. Paralysis was apparently a result of this man's sin. And Jesus cleansed the guilt. Jesus forgave the sin, but Jesus also heals. Our sin carries with it consequences, does it not? Our sin carries with it consequences. But thanks be to God that he heals. Joel 2, 25 to 26 says, I will make up to you. Some of you need to hear this. He said, I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The creeping locust, the stripping locust, the gnawing locust. Boy, doesn't that sound like a lot of guilt and sin? And sorrow. My great army which I sent amongst you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God. Who has dealt wondrously with you. And then my people. My people. Will never be put to shame. Jesus can restore the years. He heals. He heals. Now you walked in here this morning and, you, and most of you, the ones that didn't lie, most of you said, you know what? I'm carrying some guilt. Jesus, Jesus cleanses. He said, I've sinned. I'm carrying the weight of my sin. Jesus forgives. And I'm hurting. Jesus heals. Isn't that good news? Is that not good news? That Jesus cleanses and forgives and heals. And he can do it this morning in your life. If you'll see him. If you'll fall on your face. And you'll call on his name this morning. Would you do that as we pray? Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you for living the life of perfection and holiness, and purity that we should have lived. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for sin that we should have paid for.
Thank you for allowing us to exchange our wretchedness for your holiness. Thank you for being a God that cleanses, for being a God that forgives, and for being a God that heals. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to do that now as we look to you, as we fall before you, and as we call on your name. And it's in your name that we pray, the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen.